Well, a picture might be worth a thousand words, but Gregory O'Brien has made a name for himself by combining paintings and poetry in his collections. The Wellington writer, painter and art curator has called his latest illustrated poetry collection House and Contents. Throughout are scattered references to earthquakes and to favourite places throughout Aotearoa and around the world, and much else. To tell us more, kia ora Greg, how are you? Kia good to hear from you. Well, look, I thought we'd start with the title, House and Contents. As you say in your notes to accompany the poems and paintings, it implies an insurance policy. Uh, but against what? So against what? <laughs> I guess we live in troubled times, you know. I mean, certainly the last decade's been pretty rough going, the last couple of years in particular. Um, I suppose, in a way, I was thinking of this whole idea, I guess people would associate the phrase house and contents with an insurance, with a monetary kind of um, program to somehow shore you up for the future, which of course doesn't work and isn't what it's about. So I guess my idea was with the book of poems was these are the things that I hold on to, the, um, the meanings of things, the music of things, the nuance and connection of things. Um, it's about the familiar thing. It's about the house. It's about the structures and places that we live in. It's about the contents of the houses, which is about the lives that we're leading, as well as all the objects and, and memories and um, language artefacts and things that go on around us. So I guess for me, the title was very much just about that, really. It was about um, the world of art, the world itself, um, and how these things secure each other in our hearts and minds. You write in that same um, chapter that poetry can be a lantern or a firefly or a glowing um, bud of a cigarette on a dark night. I love all of these. But again, referencing <laughs> that times are tough at the moment and poetry has a place to help us through this. I think it does. I mean, I suppose that's the thing. I mean, it, it, you know, poetry in a way on the surface can't do a lot, but then when you sort of feel things so beyond your control, which is I guess what all of us feel in, you know, in recent times with COVID and and even looking at, you know, on the television at the Ukraine concert, you know, conflict at the moment, um, you know, you're sort of aware that the world has very, very big feet and it goes stomping over everything, you know, things beyond our control. But then maybe there is this thing, this personal kind of um way of being and way of saying and way of thinking that we can sort of hold on to and that other people can recognise in us and in what we're doing as well and we can recognise it in them. So I guess it's a really probably um, a statement on behalf of the quiet, understated, seemingly ineffective art of poetry which hopefully sort of again secures us to who we are and what we are and what we believe at a time when the whole world you don't need earthquakes to shake us up, you know, events, human human events shake us up too, you know. So um, I guess that's probably my, my my belief. Well, you mentioned earthquakes and it's kind of scattered throughout references to earthquakes. I know you spent time down south, um, you know, during the writing of many of these poems. But again, there is something quite beautiful. It makes me think of the cat's purring or the hum and vibration of a rowing skiff when it reaches a certain speed. And I was thinking that wouldn't GeoNet be more interesting if these were ways that we could describe how earthquakes feel when they rattle us? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suppose there is, I mean, the, the world, you know, the, as we all know, the planet is a living thing and it can be cataclysmic and, you know, and, and disastrous for human beings. But I guess like some of my experience of, you know, of um, earthquakes has been quite, Quite beautiful. I mean, I went to Raoul Island in the Kermadex ten years ago, um, you know, and 
I remember at that time the place was, you could almost feel the island almost vibrating. Also, actually, Fatari, White Island, which I also went to, um, also, you know, had that thing. It's, it's alive. It's a living thing. Um, occasionally, it's terribly dangerous, but it is also just the planet being alive, doing what it does. Um, and it's a bigger reality than just the human reality, you know. Um, so it's a humbling thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's probably what I'm thinking about. Well, I want to look at the relationship between your paintings and your poetry in a moment, but this I think is would be a lovely time for you to read one of your poems for us. Okay, shall I read the the final poem in, in, in the book? Um, and it's a poem I wrote for my wife Jen, so I guess it's a kind of a wedding anniversary poem. It's called for Jen at three o'clock. So I wrote it when we were down. We were living in Central Otago. We spent a year in the Henderson Arts Trust residence. Um, a wonderful kind of um, opportunity, which was, which was given to us in 2018. And so while we were there, we had a beautiful house overlooking a modernist house designed by Ernst Plischke overlooking the Clutha River. We got to know all the places in the region. And there was a, uh, a place that, which used to be a town called Three O'Clock, which is where I got the title of my poem from. There are all these wonderful place names down there. You know, there's a town called Dry Bread, which is no longer there. So in the poem, I do jump into a few um, <clears throat> kind of place names from central Otago, um, which people from down there, of course, you know, Brian Turner and Graham Sidney and all the gang will, will nod their heads and recognise instantaneously. Uh, but for me, they're all new and fresh. And so it was a big, I guess, a big, fresh reality. And in this poem, I was writing, I guess, about, <clears throat> you know, Jen and myself going down there. We were newbies. We were fresh off the boat. We were arrivals in this reality. And so it's a love poem, but it's it's detailing, I guess, the kind of the trees, the things in nature we weren't familiar with, but also the place names, the fact that we had arrived in this <clears throat> new relationship with somewhere new um, in our own relationship, our own re-established sort of um, scheme of things. Okay. For Jen at three o'clock. With us, ice melt and lowland fog, creaking thornbush, sandarak and walnut lawn. With us, towers and minarets of the asparagus field, each blink and muffled cough, each recitation and resuscitation, mountain torrent and gasping stream, the track from horseshoe to fiddler's flat, and the round trip via home hills runs road. With us and upon us, these days on earth, and against us, the possibility of elsewhere, a layering of piri-piri, gentian, with us, a rare climbing moss, only us. Oh, it's a beautiful thing, and, and it comes to my next question, which is the relationship between your paintings and your poetry. Because I was just thinking, your, your poetry is so spare, and your paintings are so busy, <laughs> and some um, are representational, and some and some are not. But for Jen at three o'clock, there's a beautiful image um, of a of a of a tea shop, very clearly a tea shop. So how how do they interrelate? Um, I guess I think when I people ask me this before, and I always think maybe it goes back to I do think I'm a poet to start with. I mean, I think I do think in terms of metaphor, in terms of finding connections between things that don't seem to be connected, you know, using a figure of speech or a, or a painting to bring in elements that you wouldn't normally think belong together. 
but they come together to create a new kind of reality. You know, so um, how do they relate? I think with the poem, you can see really it's a love poem, but it's bringing in details from the seemingly non-connected world out there to somehow create a sort of a, a music and a texture and an environment, like a little ecosystem in which um, I think I hope people can feel something that's personal to me, but also that exists well beyond me. Same with the paintings. I think the paintings have always been about bringing elements together. I think in painting, you can be a bit more, um, in a way, irrational about it, because just the way bringing two colours, two fields of colour together has a weird emotional effect without actually meaning anything. So I do think in that respect, maybe painting's a little bit more like music rather than like literature. But for me, I think it's very much was about the whole idea of, you know, the poetic, the finding an idea of bringing things into a musical arrangement. So they talk to each other, but also so they change one another. You know, when you put two things on a line of poetry, they both affect one another. The same way if you're doing a still life painting and you put a lemon next to a reading lamp, those two things go to work on one another. They're not the same when they're in proximity to one another. And to me, I guess that's been the kind of um, my, my sort of um, modus operandi, I suppose, as someone who's sort of hopped, you know, from the literary world to the visual art world and back again and sort of um, spent my whole life sort of leaping to and fro, really. Yeah, I mean, you, you take us, as I, as I mentioned, not only around the country, but also very much Greg, around the world in these places that you've visited and have made an impression, so, uh, clearly a very strong impression on you. Yeah, and no, I think I've, I do feel very lucky in my life to have sort of almost been landed in places that, you know, were really, really powerful, you know, um, an immense sort of wairua and sort of strength of place. You know, central Otago was like that. The year that we had down there, and Jenny and I have been back there subsequently, and um, to me that's a place that, really brings you into a different relationship with an idea of Aotearoa. You know, it's an ancient place. Suddenly you think of the past as being millions of years all the time. You know, it's a bit like the last two centuries never happened. It's it's full of mineral reality, also full of plants, full of slightly different patterns of things existing and growing. I was just thinking, actually, Lynn, when I was reading the poem, I mentioned the asparagus field. There's a line I read, with us, towers and minarets of the asparagus field. And that was based, it's a slightly mysterious line, I guess, but it was based on the fact we were living in this house and on the front lawn uh, at a certain time of year, suddenly all this asparagus started growing and it would grow to about six feet tall, you know, like extraordinary plants, things I've never seen grow like that anywhere else, anywhere, but certainly not in New Zealand. And we had this very strange, almost dreamlike reality of these minarets, these pointed asparaguses coming out of the ground and then turning into these big, you know, vertical um growths going upwards and um and it was wonderful and it was a miracle and it was a new thing and i guess with the book um you know as you say i actually have it, it's got poems that are inspired very much by um a time in santiago de chile i went to chile three times um there's also a little bit of tr pacific kind of travel in it but also possibly pretty relevant for me there's also a return to um cork in um, ireland where you know my ancestors are from so um uh, that was also another touching down and another reality that was totally foreign to me, I'd have to say, even though biologically and in terms of my DNA, it might be very familiar, but also in terms of my rational mind and my emotions, you know, being dropped in Ireland um, was marvellous. So um, so I, I sort of feel lucky to be given the opportunities to sort of um, <clears throat> be sort of um, airlifted to these 
locations and then safely home again. Well, it feels like a celebration. Thank you so much, Greg. Gregory O'Brien's latest poetry collection, House and Contents, is published by Auckland University Press. It's now 22 minutes to three.